Father God, we're so grateful for your glory that's around us. Your glory, Father, that's alive in us. But all when your people get together to see your glory come, be in our midst. Father, we just worship you. We look forward to the day when we are in your glory. In your presence. Glory to your name, Father. Father, as we are down here, we are here to do your work. Follow after your will. Perform your word. We look forward to the time up there where we're going to do all we can down here. We thank you for the help that you give us. The understanding you give us to your, of your word that we can walk in this life dominated by our spirit, developing our spirit that we always know when we hear from you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we don't do that last song too often, but I sure enjoy that one. It's not that too hard of a song, I guess, to learn, but glory to God. We've been on the topic of God's boot camp, looking at how we can get ourselves developed spiritually. So that as we're walking in this life, we know when we hear from God, we know when something is of God. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at testing the spirits and we looked more at the natural realm of things, how false spirits work through people, how false spirits work through our mind and how false spirits work through circumstances. And we developed some things along those lines, but here we're going to be looking more to the spiritual aspect of it is this God. How many times have we gotten something and we wonder, is this God? If we're going to develop our spirit, we've got to be able to know, is this God? Because as we go through the Word of God, there are people that stand as our example and they never seem to wonder, is this God? They just, they just knew. And Jesus, did He ever sit there and say, is this God? I mean, does God want me to do this or not? I don't know. I mean, is it God? Is it not God? He's not doing that. I don't see Elisha out there saying, I wonder if this is God. I don't see Elijah out there on the mountain. Is this God? He knows. Elisha knows it's God. Elisha's got a whole army surrounding his city. He doesn't have to even see anything. He knows where God is and what God's doing. He was pretty confident about that. Moses doesn't have to come out in the camp of a bunch of rebellious people and say, is this God? He says, man, you all are dead if, you don't, if I don't do something for you. He, he knew. Joshua, aren't too many times we saw a few times he missed it, but most of the time he was right on and he could tell about stuff. Paul, I mean, even when he wasn't sure if it was God, he still went as if it was and it turned out he was pretty right. How many of y'all like that, that show Star Trek? I always liked that show Star Trek. And one of the ones in the movies they made of Star Trek, you know, the three, the, the, the three of them together, uh, Bones and Spock and the captain. And they're all there together in one of the movies. I forget which movie it was. I don't know. But they were, they were all there talking about it. And, and um, Spock was trying to formulate for the captain. I think it was in the one they were trying to get back to Earth back in time. And he's trying to formulate all the things he had to calculate in order to get them back into the same time and the added extra weight of the water and the extra weight of the whale and the speed and all these kind of variables and stuff like that. And he's basically saying, you know, I'm, he's trying to tell him, uh, I'm going to have to guess at this. <laughs> but he was doing it in his Spock language. 
And so the captain said something to him uh, along the lines of, uh, well, that's fine, go on ahead. And Spock just didn't quite understand why the captain was comfortable with him making a guess. And so Bones interpreted it for him. How many of y'all remember that? He said, what he's saying is, he's more comfortable with your guesses than most people's facts. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm more comfortable with Paul's guesses, whether it's God or not, than some people's facts of it, that it's God. But we've got to get ourselves to that point where we know this is God. In order for us to figure out, is this God? It sometimes helps for us to know the enemy and his tactics. Because if you can know the enemy and his tactics and what he's trying to do, you can pretty much spot him and whatever it is that he's, he's doing. And then you can pretty much figure out whether it's God or not. So the first thing we're going to find out on the tactics of the enemy coming against us is the mission. Know what the enemy wants to do. If you know what the enemy wants to do, you can generally stop him. Not always, but in the natural realm, not always, but in the spiritual realm, always. We can stop him. If I know why false spirits come to impersonate God, I am better able to identify them. So why, why is it that false spirits come for the purpose of per impersonating God? And if we find this over in John chapter 10 and verse 10. We can flip on over there. And Now we're still on the King James on this program because we haven't got this thing. We haven't finalized this thing yet. And we do, we'll have the New King James up there. But I'm still going to generally read from the New King James. And you all can either just follow along up there in the King James or open up your own Bible and follow along in that. But the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. So right there we have the purpose of the enemy. It is to steal, to kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So here we have the purpose, the mission of both the enemy and God identified. The enemy is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The purpose of God is that they might have and not only have life but have it more abundantly, more abundantly. That is the purpose. Can those purposes, can those missions be any different? <laughs> I mean, they are worlds apart. So all we have to do is find out what that leading is doing. Because if that leading is going to the way of stealing, killing and destroying, obviously, and we know where it came from. If that mission is for life and to have it more abundantly, we know where it came from. Because if the mission of the enemy is to steal, kill, and destroy, then his mission is not that you would have life. <laughs> and that you would have that life more abundantly. Can it be possible for spiritual forces who have such diametrically opposed purposes to come across as the same thing? And yet, how often are we confused? How often do we wonder, is this God? I don't know if this is God. Or not. Is this God? Is this not God? But when we look at the purpose of it, everything that comes from Satan's kingdom is for the purpose of stealing, killing, and destroying. Everything that comes from God's kingdom is for life and that they might have it more abundantly. So all I have to do is be able to focus in on why is this coming? That's what I more have to do. But we don't. Well, what happens is we get focused in on circumstances. We get focused in on feelings. We get focused in a lot of other things. We don't get focused in on their mission. We don't try and zero in on the purpose of what that thing is that we're getting. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. We're going to go there first. You all know this 
This, is, of course, is a temptation. But let's just take a look at this. The first time the devil showed up, working his purpose. Purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to him, to, to the woman, You shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and ate. If Eve had had John 10.10 in her back pocket, would she have had this problem? Answer, yes. Because she didn't listen to the Word of God as it was. Why would she listen to John 10.10? 10? <laughs> Trick question, but yeah. If... If you just if were able to focus in on John 10, 10, you would be able to understand you can identify this because the purpose of God is that they might have life. life and have it more abundantly. Now, this just came in and what he has said is not all false. There's a lot of truth in what he said. He just didn't identify the end result of following after that truth. Their eyes would be open to both good and evil right now, whether their eyes open to <laughs> I can just see what's good. Now you can see what's good and bad. I'd rather go back to just seeing what's good. Who cares about the bad? But they focused in on this thing, be like God. So what happened was they began to question God's purpose. He's obviously not here that we would have life abundantly because he left some things out. And we begin to question this. Now, see, if you hang on to John 10, 10, you find, you find out, well, God said that everything he's given me, all the things that come from God are that I might have life and have it more abundantly. So if he has not given me this knowledge of what is good and bad, then that knowledge would keep me from having life abundantly. And I just had to believe that. And if they would have just believed that, they would have been in a whole lot better shape. But they decided not to. Purpose of, the, of Satan, of his kingdom... To steal, to kill, and destroy. And they stole their authority, destroyed their relationship with, with God, and set out to kill them spiritually. You will not surely die. And he was trying to get them to, to think physical, whereas God was talking spiritual. So he actually accomplished all three of these things in this, in this one area right here. But they didn't dissect it like that. They didn't go after it in that way. And that's where they came into a problem. Because if you really broke it down and look at it, what we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to take what, what is being said... Is this, is this God saying it? I can't, is this God? Do I feel like this was God? Did I feel like my spirit was connecting to the Holy Spirit? And we're getting it wrapped up into the feelings. I'm getting it, did that sound like God? I don't know that it, I mean, it might have sounded a bit like God. Kind of sounded like what God said yesterday. But I, I don't know. We're getting caught up in that. Just look at the purpose of it. What's it going to do for you? All right. In order to take what is yours, destroy what you have, and kill you, you must be, and these are the things that he has to accomplish, 
first off, following a wrong path. If you're following the right path, you're going to head off to life and more abundant life. If you're following the right path. So what Satan has to do is get you to veer off that right path. He does not care what path you veer off on. He does care that you veer off it. He may try and get you to veer 45 degrees and you may only veer off 30 degrees. He really don't care. He got you to veer off. That's all he's after. So he just got to get you to follow the wrong path. Don't care what path it is, just so it's a wrong one. There are many more wrong paths than right paths. Stand on the sand. He wants to get you to stand on the sand. God wants you to stand on the rock. But if he can get you to stand on the sand, then he can throw the storm at you and knock you off your your foundation. But what he's got to do is get you to stand on the wrong thing, which he did with Eve. Has God truly said? Getting him to move off that. That thing that God said. And of course, Eve had it wrong, probably as most of us assumed that Adam gave it to her wrong because he didn't trust her. That he'd, you stay away from it. Don't even touch it. Don't even touch it. Just stay away from that thing. And so then when she touched it and she didn't die, oh, wait a minute. If that part was wrong, maybe this part's wrong. And see, that's why you got to stand on the rock, not on the sand. Don't stand on stuff that people are telling you is true about God. Stand on what the Word of God says is true. And it's your job, it's your business to find out what the Word of God said is true. If you're standing on the sand, don't blame Sam. Whoever. <laughs> it's your fault. It is, it is not someone else's fault. It is your fault. If you're standing on sand, no matter if Joe or Sam or Susie or Mary or whoever taught you the thing, you believed it. They'll get theirs for teaching it to you, but you're going to get yours for believing it. You stood on the sand. You got to stand on the word and you got to do the thing. So he wants to get you to stand on the sand. He's going to try and shake your foundation a little bit, get you to believe something that's foundational when it's not because he knows you can't stand on it. That's his purpose. Now you got to know this is his purpose. So he is trying to get you to buy into false doctrine. Because if you can buy into something that's false as being true, when you stand on it and are shaking, it will shake your faith. Pursue a false goal. Pursue a false goal. He will set a goal out there, not a goal that God has, maybe one that sounds similar to it or one that sounds better. And I'll set that out as a goal for you to pursue. And you pursue that goal instead of what God said. Don't do it. Let go of what God said. I'll try and get you to let go of what God said. We've gave you, given you examples the uh, last couple of weeks of people. You know, Brother Hagen, when he was traveling around, what was the command? What was the commission that he got from God? Four words. Teach my people faith. That was it. Got that how many years he was doing that? Brother, Brother David Ingalls, simple word he got from God. Stood on that for a long, long, still standing on it. 
Got it back in the early 80s, late 70s, somewhere in that neck of the woods. Still stood on it. See, some people, they get a word from God, they stand on it for a year, and that's it. They want to move on to the next thing. Don't let go of what God said. God will speak things to you as your individual purpose. He also has spoken things to you as a general thing from the Word of God. But don't let go of what God said. If you have a general promise that God made to everybody in the Word of God, even though it's general, hang on to what God said. If God spoke something to you, this is what I want you to accomplish. This is what I want you to do. Hang on to what God said. There are forces that want to take that from you. Because if it takes that from you, it gets you on a wrong path, pursuing a wrong goal, and will eventually erode your foundation so that you are standing on the sand. And you are easy target. Easy target. False teaching, false spirits, and false leadings will do these things to fulfill their exposed purpose. They, their purpose has been exposed. We know what their purpose is. They still get away with it. They still get away with it. You still got to stop them. It's like watching one of those football teams. You know, one of those teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers. How's the Pittsburgh Steelers going to beat you? They're going to run the football at you. Not around you. They're not going around the outside. They're not getting the fancy fleet-footed running backs. Pittsburgh has generally been about get a big back, put them back there, give them the ball, and let them just cram it down the throat of the defense. And defenses know this, and yet what happens? They have a hard time stopping them. Hmm. Well, you may know what the purpose is. That doesn't mean just because you know it. It'll, it'll stop. You still have to, have to do something. So, we know what the mission is. The mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. God's mission is that you would have life and have it more abundantly. Keep that always in the forefront of your mind. Because whatever comes in the leading of the Spirit is always to give you life and that you may have it more abundantly. So, if there is life-sucking things out there, you can identify where they're coming from. What spirit they are of. Unfortunately, folks, born-again people can follow after the wrong spirit and try and suck the life out of you. Sometimes they're better at it than the heathens are. You're ready for the heathens. <laughs> well, all right, that's enough for the mission. Let's look at the methods. Let's get back over here to John chapter 10. We only looked at one verse. We want to look at the rest of them. But that one verse gave us the, the mission pretty well. John chapter 10, we're going to be over at verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. What other way is the thief coming? <laughs> it's just not by the door. It's just some other way. That's it. So here's the thing. If it is of God, it comes through the door. If it is not from God, it comes through some other way. How many ways can it come if it's from God? One, through the door. How many other ways can it come if it's from another place? Any other way? Parachute in? Tunnel in? It don't matter. Climb over the wall? Whatever way? Beam them in? 
It don't matter. But if they come another way, they are not of God. Can that be more clear? So, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door. Now what's by the door? This is a normal way. No, no pretense, no pretending, no fake stuff. Just, here I am. Knock, knock, knock. Come on in the door. How many Christians do you know that try and subvert? Do you think, don't tell anybody I'm telling you this. I probably shouldn't ought to say this to you. Don't let anybody know that you know this. What's that? Some other way. Is that front door? No, what's front door? (laughs) You do not have to disguise the front door. The front door is the front door. But any other way, you have to disguise. You got to put another coat on it. Make it look like something different. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. That's it. Nothing fancy there. They're all coming out. They're all following after it. Now he elaborates more on this. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him and they know his voice. You all know this part that they would have in sheepfolds a whole lot of different flocks and the shepherd would come up and they would call his and all those were his. They knew that the sheep knew the shepherd's voice and they just follow him. All the other ones stay behind because they don't know that voice. Yes, they will by no means follow a stranger. So have as much sense as a sheep is what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be spiritual have as much sense as a sheep <laughs> don't follow a stranger don't follow somebody who comes in from a different door if they hop the fence if you're a sheep what do you say no no not following you <laughs> you came a wrong way <laughs> they will by no means follow a stranger but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the strangers. How many times do Christians not flee from these things, but cozy up to them to try and get them to turn over a new leaf or fix them or whatever it might be? They will by no, no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. If you don't know the voice, don't follow it. If another believer is following after a different spirit, you can tell it's not, that's not the voice I follow. My God does not have to do things covertly. He's open about it. Jesus never pulled His disciples aside and said, alright, this is what we're going to do to the Pharisees. Now, you guys work your way into the crowd and you, you tell them to say things. He doesn't do that. Because He comes through the door. He comes through the door. There's Jesus. The Pharisees are over there trying to get stir people up. The Pharisees are, hey, what kind of a question can we ask them? We don't care what the answer is. We just, can we catch them at something? Is that the front door or another way? That's another way. We can tell what spirit that they're of. So anything that they say, I'm not listening to it. It's the wrong spirit. It's the wrong way. 
So, we can tell first off by the way that they enter. Through the door. We can tell the, by the, the voice that they know. We know the voice of God. We know the voice of Jesus. We know the voice of the shepherd. Follow that voice. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Well, before Jesus was coming in, but now he says, I am the door. Well, then the word of God say that what spirits don't confess? Jesus? Well, he is the door. And whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come, they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. So through the front door we have? Over the wall we have? <laughs> don't, don't take stuff that's over the wall. Under the tunnel. Through the back door. Through the window. Any other way? It's through the front door. That's the only way. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Here's the other, here's our third part we're going to see in this. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves. He's leaving. Well, that wolf probably only take one. I'd rather be missing the sheep than me. He leaves. He leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling. Does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep. And am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice. And they will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on myself. I have power. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. The command I have received from my Father. Well, he doesn't, no one took his life. He laid it down. But he gave his life for the sheep. That's how you can tell someone who's committed. People that are hirelings, people that are here to steal, kill, and destroy. destroy. They're here to get what they can for themselves. They're the first to flee. They're the first to get out when the going gets tough. But not so amongst those that are doing it for a cause. That are doing it because of Jesus. They, they won't follow the same way. They're going to follow the way of the, the shepherd. So you can tell cer certainly by the way that they enter, the voice that they know, and the sacrifice that they give. Look at the sacrifice that they give. We've told you before, all these folks out there with the global warming stuff. Al Gore's out there talking about, you know, how much sacrifice we all have to give. How much sacrifice is Al Gore given? He's living in his mansions, flying in his jets, driving his SUVs. Right? He's in his office, in his, in his uh, home. He's got three monitors on. Is that a man who believes in the cause of what he preaches? No. If he did, 
he'd be turning off some of those monitors. He'd be cashing in that mansion for a little, little tiny house. He wouldn't be jetting himself all over the place. And then God wouldn't have to pick on them so that every place he goes, they have the coldest weather they've ever had. <laughs> and snowstorms like they've never had before. God's just messing with him. <laughs> he is God. Mm. Yeah, they have all kinds. This year, they've been turning up all kinds of evidence. You probably haven't heard about it if all you listen to is the news. All kinds of evidence that shows global warming is a false thing. The uh, ice is coming back. It's just a natural cycle, you know, melts over here, freezes over here. And, but they're not telling you where it's coming back at or what it's doing. They're not telling you about all the record cold and all that sort of stuff. But you all know that sort of thing. But see, these people, are they willing to sacrifice? No. No, they want you to sacrifice. Look at our guys in Congress. How many times do they talk about how we had to sacrifice for the poor? What are they sacrificing for the poor? Nothing. They're real generous with your money. Real generous with your money. It's easy to be generous with someone else's money, isn't it? I've, I've seen stats on some of these folks on how much money they actually give. You would be appalled at how much of their money they actually give away to charities and things. I'm not even talking religious charities. I'm just talking charities, period. They give just about nothing of their own money away. You cannot even measure it in whole percentage points. Look at the sacrifice. Look at what the folks are willing to give. The sacrifice will tell you. What sacrifice are they willing to give? What way do they enter? And what voice do they know? These are the things that will tell you. You can, you can figure that out. So when you get a spiritual leading and you hear something down in your spirit, I think I ought to bite into the apple. <laughs> Take of the fruit of the tree. I, I can judge it. I might, will this put me on the wrong path? Is this getting me to challenge my belief that God's purpose is that I would have life and have that life more abundantly? Does that cause me to challenge that? See, don't be doing that. There's people out there in the body of Christ, supposedly prophets, who profit horrible things upon, upon people. Prophesy horrible things. Death, gloom, destruction. That's against life. That's against these things. So how can we know? Because has God ever said anything negative about His people? Yeah, He sure has, hasn't He? So how can we tell when one of those negative things comes that it's not against His life and have it more abundantly and it's not in the steal, kill, and destroy mode? Because we, there has to be a way for us to tell, isn't there? These people in the, in the Bible, they aren't wondering. Go over to 1 Kings 22. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time teaching on this. We've taught on it before. Probably teaching it again down the road here, but right now we're just going to look at it and get some of these things for this, for this purpose. 1 Kings 22. The story of Micaiah. Now these years passed without war between Syria and Israel. Then it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went down to visit the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know... 
that Ramoth and Gilead is ours, but we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. Now, we talked to you before. Be careful who you associate with, right? Should Jehoshaphat be associated with Ahab? No. Because of the word of God that has come about Ahab, Jehoshaphat should be nowhere near him. But he is. So he said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to fight at Ramoth Gilead? What should he say? No. 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 Why? God wants me to have life and have it more abundantly. Look at all that stuff they got down there. We can get that stuff and we'll have more abundant life. Right? But see, the purpose of the enemy is to get you on a wrong path, pursuing a wrong goal. He needs to identify. If if he could just simply think about that, he could identify this. Should I be in alliance with with an Ahab? I shouldn't be in alliance with Ahab. I really don't know that Ahab can be doing anything good that I should be hooked up with. That's what he should be saying to himself, but he's not. Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, You are not of God and I am. We shall not go with you. That's what he should have said. (laughs) I am as you are. My people as your people. My horses as your horses. Also, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Well, let's make it look good. He's already committed himself. Now now let's seek and find out what God has to say. (laughs) Too many Christians do this too. They open their mouth up, commit to things, and then find out what God has to say about it. He's already committed. He's already done it. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, so, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to fight, or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. You got 400 people going around the room t- prophesying this. That sounds pretty good. Especially when you want to believe it. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Now something seemed to not be right with Jehoshaphat and he just didn't see. This isn't the first time Jehoshaphat's been in with the, the group from up north and felt this way. Second Kings chapter 3, you'll see the same thing. The son of Ahab. And Jehoshaphat says the same thing with, with him. Is there not a prophet of the Lord here? And so they call it Elisha. And it, yeah, Elisha will do. Yeah, he, he used to pour water on Elijah's hands. Yeah, well, Elisha will do. Let's get him. So Elisha shows up And they say what's going on. And Elisha looks up and says, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even look on you. Does that say Jehoshaphat should be there? Elisha didn't want to be there. You can go over there to 2 Kings chapter 3. That's good homework. Good stuff to follow up on and read. Where do we leave off at? Verse 7. And Jehoshaphat said, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here? that we may inquire of him. So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man, Micaiah. Well, it's good that there's one still left in the northern tribes there. The son of Ema, to whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. What should that tell you? 
Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Bring Micaiah, the son of Ema, quickly. King of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, having put on their robes, sat each on his throne at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. So when they're not waiting for Micaiah to get there, they keep on prophesying. Now, Zedekiah. I mean, that's got to be a good prophet. A name like Zedekiah, right? Just sounds like a prophet. The son of... Boy, that's a name, isn't it? <laughs> Shanana. He made horns of iron. He's got props. Yeah, got props. <laughs> I mean, if you got props, you know it's got to be God. He's got horns of iron. Thus says the Lord, with these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. Let me tell you what. If they go out in the battle with those horns, they're dead. Because the Syrians, they have real long swords, not horns. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hands. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Now, listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Please let your words be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. And Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. What is he going to say? He's going to say whatever the Lord says to say, right? Keep that in mind. And Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me that I will speak. Then he came to the king and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall we refrain? And he answered and said, go and prosper for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. What did the Lord tell him to say? What did Micaiah say he was going to say? And what does he say? Go, Go and prosper. Should we not conclude that Micaiah heard from God to say this? That would be interesting, huh? Who's he, whose words are he, is he going to repeat? The Lord's words. The Lord's word. Whatever the Lord tells me, that I will speak. That's what he said. And the first thing he says, go and prosper. Why? Because that's what the Lord told him to say, isn't it? Has to be, because that's all he said he would say. So the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? I'm sure he said to do that often. Since he just said before that he never says anything good about him. Then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. Is this what God said? No, it is not. This is not what God said. Read it again. He said, I will say whatever the Lord says to say, right? What does he utter? Go and prosper. Go and prosper. Now, 
Then he said, I saw. He is no longer quoting what God said. What he is quoting is what he saw. This is not what the Lord said. This is what he saw. You see the difference? I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. Has the Lord in this vision so far said anything they have? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? (laughs) Then Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, we have first off what Micaiah was told to say. We then have what Micaiah saw, which was different from what he was told to say, apparently. So he goes on. Hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. Hear the word of the Lord, right? Have you heard a word from the Lord yet? And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? Have you heard a word of the Lord yet? He is still in narration mode, isn't he? He is simply narrating what he saw. Why did the Lord let him see this? So one spoke in this manner, another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, in what, ma- in what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Has the Lord spoken anything they have yet? Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours and the Lord has declared disaster against you. Now we have something. But not until then. What the Lord has spoken was disaster against Ahab. That's what he spoke. Now, for those who were there in our Bible questions class that we did, this, this topic came up. And we were talking about this and some folks had problems with the idea of God entertaining false spirits. But of course, in this passage, it does not say where this took place. Most have assumed it took place in heaven. But it does not say it took place there. So just keep that in mind. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours And the Lord has declared disaster against you. How could the Lord put a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets? Because the the prophets, first off, had yielded to that. The prophets were followers of Baal. The prophets were not followers of God. If they were, then Ahab would have been a follower of God. Elijah wouldn't have any work to do at all. They'd already given themselves over to it. And God said, go ahead, use them. Go ahead, be that, be that lying spirit. But God has declared disaster. Now, how can you tell that? Doesn't God have life that you may have it more? 
Doesn't it sound more like the other side to steal, kill, and destroy? Where's the problem? Problem comes in that first off, Ahab never listened to the words of God that came that told him to quit sinning, quit sacrificing to Baal, and quit living, leading Israel in the wrong way. They, that came often through Elijah and probably others. But we at least know Elijah had done it and he ignored it and they did not go after that but continued to pursue his own, own way and we saw the judgment that came upon him. Now God has just spoken out before this time judgment upon the house of Ahab and now it's coming about. But we need to, how can we work this thing? How can we lead them into this? Well, we need them to be a lying spirit. So, does God need Jehoshaphat to be at this place? Is Jehoshaphat, in, in essence, following God to be here and help get Ahab in the battle? No, don't use that as an excuse ever. If God is not in the battle, get out of it. God will get Ahab there from some way. But don't you have a hand in it. Jehoshaphat should not be here. Now, Zedekiah went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way did the Spirit from the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide. So the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison. And feed him with the bread of affliction and water of affliction until I come in peace. But Micaiah said, If you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Take heed, all you people. So what God has in essence done, let's look at the whole plan of what God has done, is that first off, God said, Ahab, if you don't get out of this way of sin, judgment will come upon you and your house. Did Ahab listen? God, word of God came upon him again. And what does he do? He kills the prophets. So that Elijah feels like he's the only one left. And God says, you're not the only one left. Now go out there and continue to be bold. He went out there and continued to be bold and continued to tell him. And Ahab continued to not listen. And so God prophesied the judgment would come. And so now the judgment is coming. And here it, here it is. Well, we have to get this to be pulled off. Amos, you have to write this one in. Amos chapter 3 and verse 7. Surely the Lord does nothing unless He reveals His secret to His servants, the prophets. He revealed the secret to Micaiah. And he said, Micaiah, King Ahab's going to call you into his office. And when you get there, I want you to speak the same words of encouragement that everyone else is picking up. And if he continues to question you further about things, you can tell him all that you see right here that I'm showing you. You can tell him all about it. You can tell him the words that I said. You can tell him the words the Spirit said. And you can tell him my end result of what I desire. That will be fine. You can tell him all that. And you can speak the destruction that I have said that is coming upon the house of Ahab. And so he does that. Because what is God's purpose? To have life, that you would have it more abundantly. But you see, Ahab not only is taking life away from himself, he is taking life away from his people. 
and the shepherd would lay his life down for the sheep. And Ahab is not doing that. And God is going to take him out of the way and look for another that would do so. The other does not. The one who comes next, his son is not as bad as Ahab, but he's not necessarily good either. Doesn't quite go the way that he should. Just because someone is of Israel doesn't mean you should join up with them, folks. In other words, just because someone is a Christian doesn't mean you ought to be on their side. There are some some groups out there that say that they're Christian. And we should not be joining up with them. They are doing things. They are saying things. They are going in directions that are against the purposes of God for life and life abundant. Just because it is popular does not mean it is or is not God. Because you can find times in the Word of God where everyone sided on the wrong side. You can find times in the Word of God where everyone sided on the right side. You cannot tell by numbers. Don't fall into that trap. God can be in the numbers or He can be in the, major- the minority. The external cannot ever lead you. If you do, you're going to go the wrong way. More than likely. Don't let the external lead you. It's not the purpose of Micaiah's word to, st- or is not the purpose of Micaiah's word to steal, kill, and destroy? Doesn't it seem like it comes that way? What is wrong, remember this in your outline here, what is wrong is not always simply identifiable, but it is always ascertainable. You can always ascertain what is right and what is wrong, but it may not be as simple as you want to want to see it. You have to break down the purpose. What's the purpose of this? Why is this given? Where is this going? And you've got to meditate that. You've got to mull on that. You've got to get in your prayer closet and say, Father God, I need to know, what is the purpose of this leading that I have? How many of y'all have leadings for different jobs at times? How many of y'all have leadings towards certain people? Or leadings away from certain people? <laughs> yes, well, God, what is that? Is that you? And you've got to get into the purpose. What is the purpose? If you take what it is that you're getting in the Spirit and pray on it, Father God, I need, what is the purpose of this? I need to know what is the purpose of what I am getting. Where is it going? Where is it leading? God will reveal it right out there to you. And once that's revealed, you can easily tell this is not God. This is God. This isn't going to look like God to everybody, but this is God. You can tell. And He will reveal these things to you. He will reveal it to you. Well, deception's purpose is to lead us out where God cannot protect us. So how would you expect a warning from God to come? How would you expect a warning from God to come? Now, as a parent, you simply warn of what you cannot explain. Isn't that right? How many times as a parent... Or even just someone who's watching little kids. Is there a danger that they cannot understand? So what do you do? Do you sit there and explain it to them? Now, little Johnny, I need to explain this. It's going to be a little tough for you to understand. But I need to, I need you to listen really close and get a hold of this. And do you try and explain all of that? When little Johnny likes to eat 15,000 candy bars a day. Do you need to explain to him why that is bad? What do you do? 
do that again, I'll whoop your bottom. <laughs> right? Yes. There's just a warning. We're, there's no explanation. You're not going to grab the holy explanation. You're not going to care about the explanation. But get passionate about this. <laughs> Isn't that right? Sometimes that's what God, God has to deal with us as a parent. He's just, he's just simply going to warn you. He's not going to try and explain it. It's, it's above your pay grade. It's above where you are. You're not going to grab hold of this. He's just going to simply, don't do it. Like in the tree in the, in the garden. Do not eat of it. He didn't explain why. He didn't get into all the things that would happen. He just said, don't do it. That's it. And if God gives you a warning without an explanation, what should you do? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you're in the army and they say, take that hill. Do you say, well, why? I don't want that hill. I don't even like that hill. There's other guys up on that hill. Do we do that? What do you do if you went through boot camp successfully? You say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Even though you may die taking it. You will go after and take that hill because you're a good soldier. You don't. The sergeant does not need to explain to you why you are taking that hill. He simply says, take it. Take it now. That's it. When God just gives you a warning, just listen. Don't wait for all the explanation. You probably can't grab your grab a hold of it anyway. As a child, you don't always yield when you see when what you see overrides what you heard. Haven't you been there as a as a kid, and you've been told an explanation as to why you're not supposed to do something? How many of you ever told the explanation? Don't sit so close to the TV; it'll wreck your eyes. <laughs> Uh-huh. And what did you do? Back up? No. It's not wrecking my eyes. My eyes are fine. <laughs> There's nothing wrong here. If you don't eat your vegetables, you won't grow up to be strong. I'm growing just fine. I don't see nothing. I don't see. Uh, your mom, when you're real young, your mom and dad said, don't cross the street unless I'm there. And you get out and you do what she did. You look to the left. You look to the right. I don't see any problem. And you go on across. What happens? Either that or you get hit by mom. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> Something's coming after you. Either the car's coming after you or mom is. But one of them's coming. <laughs> so you, sometimes as a child we get in there and I try and see... The same thing. But as a child, as a child, can you see the same things that moms and dads can? I was a good kid. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. Because now I get to be a, I get to be a parent. Now understand, my wife and I, we see different things. We observe danger yes, differently. There have been many times I've been out with my son, don't you tell your mom. Don't you tell your mom about this. We get out there and do some stuff, don't tell her you were here. It'll, it'll disturb her. It'll bother you. Don't, she don't need to be knowing this stuff, right? It's just not good. 
If she, well, if she asks you, I have to tell them, but just don't, just don't volunteer it. Because, you know, sometimes little boys, they like to just tantalize moms. And, and guess where I was? And, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. As a child, you don't always yield when you see, when what you see overrides what you heard. But we do the same thing with God. Oh, God, I don't see any problem. I understand what you said in your, I don't see a problem. I mean, this, they look like a fine friend. They, they look good. They're stable. They're fun to be around. I don't see what the problem is. And so even though we're getting that warning down in our spirit, don't pursue that. I'm looking. Mm, nah, I'm not seeing it, God. Not seeing it. I'm feeling okay about this. Or we get that job. And this job comes in and it's offering you twice the money, half the work, three times the vacation, company car. And you're saying, and in your spirit, you get a little tingle, a little twinge. But you're looking. I don't see the problem here, God. Look at how much more money I'm going to be able to tithe. And just, and just think of the offerings I can bring now. I couldn't bring offerings before, but I can bring offerings now. And look at how much more time I'll have for the kingdom. I mean, all these vacations, I can take a couple vacations and go on mission trips. What's your, I don't understand why you, look at what I'm seeing. This isn't a problem. But down in my spirit, I still have that. So what do I do? I bypass what I'm getting, the little tiny twinge in my spirit, and I go after what I see. And I can't hear because of what I see. Whereas if I took the time and got into prayer and said, Father God, I like what I see, but mm, I don't know, there's just something down in here. So I'm just going to spend some time and pray about it. And you let me know about the purpose of what this thing is, what this job is going to do, what this friend is going to do, what this situation here is going to do. And you pray about it and you get yourself away from that emotional contact with the thing and just get into that. Oh, yeah. Oh, hmm. And you find out you see the steal, kill and destroy. You didn't see before. Well, Father God, will you, I, I don't need to be involved with that. I, I got to get away from that one. Then you can be led by your spirit. As a Christian, our excitement can override God's wisdom. <laughs> I can get so excited. To, oh, God, look at this. I've been believing for one of these for a long time. Here it is. Oh, this is so exciting. This is victory day. Mm. this is victory day. I know it. And I get so excited about that that I... I, mm. Nope, can't back off on that one. And you see, people have have gone down the wrong road, done the wrong thing, pursued the wrong avenue. See, just because God says that something is in the works for you doesn't mean it's in the works now. I know we're down there at Ramah. There were a whole lot of folks... And we heard testimonies. We heard things that went on. And oh, God called me into this, so I left what I was doing and went out there and did it. Disaster. Total disaster. Terrible things happen. How did God do that? You know, God, God may be leading you where you're, where you're supposed to go, but He's not saying it's time yet. See, there's preparations. There's things that get involved with just the preparation. So God may be saying, all right, this is the direction I'm going to take you. This is where you're going to go. So start gearing up for it. 
Start getting yourself ready for it. Okay, all right. Well, then, you know, I'll start doing this and start doing that. And God will show you things to do and things to change and things to get yourself ready. So that when you when that time does come, you are ready for it. And you're prepared to go. But you've got to listen to it. Don't get don't let the excitement get, get you moving on that. How many times have you been out there and, and test drove a car? And, oh, that car felt good. Got all excited about that. Well, this is a good car. Oh, I like this car. This is it. And then, mm, not so good things came out of that one, right? <laughs> that happens with houses, happens with cars, happens with people. Food? Hmm. All right. Jobs, all sorts of stuff like that. You got to listen. You got to listen. God cannot always explain when He gives a warning. But if He gives a warning, you need to listen to it. You may not always see the dangers that God sees, but He has a different perspective than you do. You need to yield yourself to it and just listen. How much better would your life be if you just yielded instead of giving and instead of fighting and well, I don't see that and look at this and what about this over here and no, don't, don't be doing that. Test the spirits. Is this God? Make sure you take some time. Pray about it and see. Don't just get all excited about the moment. Get all get caught up. This is, this, is what, what, this is what I've been believing for. This is what I wanted. Oh, I wanted one of these. And then have to live with the downside of that thing for a long time after that. Eve got all caught up in the emotion. Oh, this tree is going to do something for me that hasn't been done yet. And sure did. Sure did. Don't get caught up in the excitement. Take some time out. Pray about it. If you can discern the purpose of that word that comes to you, you can uncover its source. What is the mission that this thing is sending you on. Remember, is it going to need you to follow a wrong path? Stand on the sand? Pursue a false goal? Let go of what God said? To get you into those things, folks, it is not good for your spiritual well-being. And you need to listen to it. Stand against it. And don't take the thing. Don't take it. How about Abraham? Didn't Abraham, wasn't he called? God said, he, I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to bless you. And when a king came on over and tried to bless him, what he say? This is right in line with what God showed me. He said, you're going to make me rich? Come on, bring that stuff in here. I'm taking it. What do you say? I don't want any of your money. Lest you say you made Abraham rich. How many of you would have had the wisdom to say, uh-uh? But he did, didn't he? Turn it down. Did it, did it hinder him from becoming rich? No, God made him rich. God made him rich. God did what He said He was going to do. And God will do what He said He'll do for you too. But listen and pay attention. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the help that You give us. We can know what is up against us. We can know the purpose, the mission that those things have. They don't have to be hidden from us. We can know their methods and uncover them by their methods, the way that they come in. And we can know by their message. Father, we thank You that You help us in all these things. We will not be...
pulled off of your paths. We will not be founded on the wrong thing. We will stand on the rock and not on the sand. We will follow the path that you have given and we will hold on to the word that you said. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Any comments, questions, things to add? Yes. What you, you're Micaiah? He said different things? Simple. The purpose of what he saw from God was God says, go out and lead him into the, say things to lead him into the battle. That was the purpose of God. That was the plan of God. Because the plan was to lead him into judgment. So Micaiah did exactly what was said, what was told. Say this to encourage him to go into battle. But then Micaiah went beyond that and he said, this is why we are told to say this to you. Now, Ahab decided, I'm not going to listen to that. I want to hear that I'm going to go and be successful. I don't want to hear that God has planned and purposed harm against me. He didn't want to hear it. Is that in line? God did not say that if Ahab continued to follow the way he would, he would prosper. God had said in his word, if you follow after the way of idols, if you follow after the disobedience, if you follow after self-seeking, those things won't come to you. Yeah. Because the purpose was to lead him into a battle. Yeah, but God exposed it. God said, these are, these are lying prophets. These are prophets who are not speaking the words of God. And God said to the spirit, it was the wrong spirit, you go, God's not going, but you go and you say that to him, he'll listen to you. And so that spirit went out and spoke those things. And so when Micaiah came up, God says, I want you to first off say exactly what the spirit is saying. And so Micaiah repeated what that spirit was saying. Not what God said, but what the spirit said. But God said, you go and repeat that first. So that's what Micaiah does. And apparently he does it in such a way that he doesn't have the same passion for it that he has for the things of God. And so when he says it, Ahab says, you're not speaking this with the passion that I know that you have for the things of God. So what did God really say? And so then he said it. But he followed exactly what God told him to do. Because understand, he's, his, his preface before, I will only say what God has told me to say. And so God said, when you start off, I want you, you be in line with all these folks. You go ahead and you can speak that. But Micaiah spoke it but he didn't speak it necessarily out of the authority of God. He spoke it because that's what was in the spirit realm. And Ahab picked up on that. Because Ahab, or Micaiah is not disguising it. So he just spoke that. But he comes right out. Now it is not God that is lying. It's the lying spirit. And God exposed the lying spirit, exposed the purpose of the lying spirit, and he exposed his purpose against Ahab.
And Ahab still went into battle. Now, we, if we kept on reading, you would see what a stupid king Jehoshaphat can be. Because he can really be a stupid king. He has been a, he had some, uh, some great times and some great things that he did in the, in the, in the things of God. But he, he can really, he married his daughter to a curse line. That was, that was bad enough. But the Ahab goes into battle and he says, you wear your kingly gar- garments. I'm not going to wear mine because they're going to be after a king. You see, and I don't want to be the one they're coming after. OK, so how about if you wear your. OK. Oh, man, I don't understand. Jehoshaphat, you got to wonder about it. He's not one of the ones I'm lining up to talk to in, in heaven. You know, years down the road after I've talked to everybody else of. of substance i may wander over and josh said what were you thinking what were you thinking i don't understand what you're doing what in the world's going on with that but anyway this is what it was this was the plan god exposed the plan he, he laid it right out there this is the plan you can choose to believe what god and right there ahab could have said you know what i'm not going he could have done it but he's, he's caught up. He has, his, uh, he has his eyes set. I'm going to take this stuff back. This stuff belongs to us. I'm going to take it back. He wanted it. It's not a purpose God put in him. He just wanted it. Does it make any more sense to you? This is a tough, this is a tough story. This is a tough story for a lot of folks to, to get their head around. Yep. Because you can tell he is speaking this and his heart's not in it. He's just speaking it out. He's just saying what has been said. That's how you know something's not right with him. He knew that Micaiah didn't believe it was God's word. He knew Micaiah did not believe this is what God's, this was God's full story here. He, he knew that from the way that he said it. And so he said, all right, now you got to, there, there's more to this. Come on. You need to tell me everything that God said. I told you that before. He, I don't think he really did, but anyway, that's what he's saying. He's trying to put a good show on for Jehoshaphat or something like that. But uh, then he comes on out. He doesn't, Micaiah is not trying to be deceptive. This is the, the thing about it. He is not trying to be deceptive. He has come out and he has spoken what is in this realm of the spirit? It's just not God's spirit. But he has spoken what is in that realm. But he spoke it out in such a way that Ahab could pick up something in right here. You're not, you're not believing this. You're not seeing this. You're seeing something else. I don't know what it is, but you need to elaborate on this a little bit more. And he doesn't hide. He does not say, I can't tell you. He says, well, there is more, but God doesn't want me to tell you. He doesn't do any of that. He comes right out with it. Now, again, go back to his words. I will only say what the Lord tells me to say. So apparently, everything that he said, he was authorized to tell. Every bit of it. Now, this, is, this, is, this story is really no different from any other place in the Word of God. Because when God has judgment plans or God has prosperity plans, he reveals it to people through prophets. He reveals both. 
He has no problem. He has revealed his end time plans and Satan can read them. He's revealed it. He said, this is how it's all going to play out. Stop it. This is, this is my plan for salvation. This is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to send my son. He's going to die. And he's going to be resurrected. Stop it. He, he's, he's not hiding this thing under a tree here. It, it, this is it. God just, he lays out his plans. He's not, he's not hiding it. It's the same thing with the world. The world's on their way to hell. God has not hidden that from them. They chose not to believe it, but he has said. You can go other ways if you want to, but it will lead you to hell and there will be a judgment. You cannot believe it if you want, but this is what's going to happen. But if you go this way, you'll be spared. He's told them. He's told them the good. He's told them the bad. And they, they can elect which way to go. Ahab knew where this was going. He knew the plans God had against him. It's been prophesied for years that God would bring him down. And when it was told how God would bring him down, he chose not to believe it. That's on Ahab. There's nothing about this on God. Unbelievable how much God revealed about this whole thing. Make any more sense? Good. Okay. <laughs> I think this is, I have so much fun with this story. I just think this shows so much of who God is that uh, it's, it's a good story to get into. Do people avoid this story? But, you know, we have it here. You all have a real good handle on the story, and, and you should. You've got to know this part about God. But God does have plans to bring people down. Especially when those people are bringing His people down. He will bring them down. Just like David said. What did David say of Saul? I should kill him? He said, no. He'll die in battle. Get disease. God will bring him down somehow. It's not for me to do. It's for God to do. He let God do it. Sure enough, he died in battle. Ahab died in battle. A lot of kings died in battle. Some other ones died other ways. Some died of diseases. Some even died of natural causes. Some were murdered. All kinds of, of things, but God will tell you. But the main, the main thing is don't get lost in the details of Micaiah. Just get, a, just get caught up in the purpose. You've got to know the purpose of that word. Is the purpose to reveal a judgment that would come and hinder your life, hinder your uh, abundance, that you would have life and have it more abundantly? If so, then it's trying to avoid you. By God trying to get you to avoid that judgment, He is trying to get you into life and life more abundant. But He has to get you out of that way of judgment. These other things will lead you on a wrong path. They'll get you focused on the wrong things. They'll get you standing on things that are not to be stood upon. You've got to stand on, like we told you how many times in the, in the Word of God, there are things it focuses on. Those are what you focus your time on. Those are your main things. Stay on that. Whatever dominates the Word should dominate your life. Whatever's in the Word a little should be in your life a little. Whatever's in, your, in the Word hardly at all should be in your life 
Mimic it. Just, just mimic it. Just, just know. I mean, there's some things the Bible just teaches a little bit here, a little bit there. And it's just for you to know. Not going to govern your life by it. Just there for you to know. But a lot of things for us to focus on. Anything else? Other questions? Other things? Why don't we just be on these? I thought you had a question. No, behind you. <laughs> Isabel. Nope. All right. I thought I heard somebody having a question. You all okay on this? You all getting some stuff to help you out with your, your spiritual development? I hope. It's, it's so important. It's so important. Got to develop the things spiritually. Just a lot of things Christians are doing that just naturally lead to not developing their spirit and keeping their spirit immature. We'll be getting into some of those things as we get down the road here. There's a whole lot of things. You'll, you'll notice it with Christians. If you, you'll be able to spot Christians and say, oh, I know why they're not growing. I know why they're not growing. I can see what it is they're doing. And, and, but you'll have the maturity to know what to do with that. It won't be to go over there and talk to the sister or brother so-and-so. Tell them about it. You, you will know exactly what you have to do about it. And uh, that's, that's good. But you can spot it. There are just things people do in the realm of the spirit, supposedly, or in the it just being a churchgoer, Christian. And it's, it's what keeps them from growing. So once you identify that and you stop doing those things, it will help you out. <laughs> well, weren't that many questions tonight. We got off, got off pretty light. Yeah, you just you can't hear the tone that he uses, and I don't know if there was a funny tone in it, but you, you just got to know he's saying it, but he he's not saying it with the passion that the prophet normally says when he knows this is what God says, and he has a. I, I gotta get you to believe this. I gotta get you to see this. It's just like he's just saying it. You just say, now go on, go and prosper. The Lord's telling you, go ahead, go ahead, you'll win. Then you know, right? You know, well, did the Lord right. want, did, did the Lord want him to go through that? Yes. For judgment, then. For the purpose of judgment. Okay, so if that's then why did he die then and what then afterwards? Because God says, I know you're still gonna, you're still gonna go in. You are belligerent enough. And you are disbelieving the Word of God enough that even if I tell you, you're still going to do it. Look at... See, we, we only have a few stories of Ahab's life. God had the whole thing in front of him. But in the few stories that we have, how many times did Elijah go up and definitely declare to him who God was? I mean, Ahab is coming after him and he sends 50 guys. Fire comes down because Elijah zipped up there on the rock. Fire comes down and burns them all up. He sends another 50. Fire comes down and burns them up. He sends another 50. Do you see any change here? Does he, he get the idea that, oh, wow, I'm coming up against God? No. He says, who in the world do you think you are coming up against the king of Israel? You 50, go get him. And then you've got one who was at least God-fearing. And they came on up and he pleaded for the life of his men. He says, don't kill us. We're here because the king sent us. Will you please come with us? He says, well, yeah, since you asked nice. 
Yeah, no problem. And so he comes on down. He has no fear of this thing. He just walks into the presence of a king. And as soon as he gets there, Ahab says, Oh, you troubler of Israel. I haven't troubled Israel at all. It's you. You keep ignoring the words of God. That's, why you, that's, who, that's who brought this thing on. I said, tell you what you're going to do, though. We're all going to gather around for a little sacrifice. Meet me up on the mountain. Let's see who's God. Let's not pretend anymore. Whoever God, God just needs to show up. So Ahab is so belligerent to think that his gods are really God, even though 100 guys just got burned up already. He didn't care about that. That's how belligerent he is. And then they have this whole sacrifice to where the fire comes down from heaven and burns up rocks. And he still does not change his act for more than a few days. And he goes right back to doing what he was doing. Now, a huge part of it was his wife. Every time that the things from God tried to persuade Ahab, his wife, who would not be persuaded, immediately pulled him back. Brought him right into that, into that area. So, and do you think, if you know, knowing his wife, and here's his battle, going to go in there to take this, this area, do you think his wife had nothing to do with this? She had to do with all the other stuff. She was seemed to be the ambition behind Ahab. And surely, I'm sure she came on in and said, that's supposed to belong to us. You go out there and you get that. Then all the time, she probably had to come back into the presence of his wife and say, no, I, was, I had a change of mind. And she beat on him. And he's thinking this whole time he's out there, I'm not going back in front of her and saying, no, we're changing our mind. We're going. I'm, I don't know that that's it, but I'll, I'll bet you it is. I won't be able to talk to Ahab about it. Maybe I can ask Jehosh about it, you know, when we're there, but Ahab, I'm not I'm not gonna be able to talk to him about it. He's a stupid man at times. He had some great victories and I know he's a hero amongst a lot of Christians, but he is a stupid man. He had his son marry his uh, Ahab's daughter. The greatest mistake in the Old Testament that is overlooked by so many people. This is the greatest mistake of the entire Old Testament. You took an eternally blessed line and merged it with a damned, cursed line. And now you put God in a position. What am I going to do? Am I going to honor the curse? Or am I going to honor the blessing? God should never be put in that position. God got a way out of it, but God should never be put in that position. Because God is God. He let the blessing overdo the curse. Yes, He did. But God should never have been put in that position. Jehoshaphat never should have done it. But He did. Every person in Ahab's line was, was condemned to death. Every one. No one was to be spared. Now you put it right into the line of King David, of, of the lineage of David. Horrible, horrible thing that he did. Jehoshaphat, there's a whole. I mean, and this is despite all his errors, God still loved the man, and held him in pretty high regard too. Spoke of him in in the company of David. Yeah, and he made a lot of mistakes on it too, but. Yeah, Jehoshaphat 